Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Knicks suck. They've fallen, they can't get up, and they're going to collapse like we've seen the last two years. Right? Everyone thinks it. So it's bound to happen. Well, be careful because there is one specific reason this team won't collapse like we've seen in the last two years. And it's a real, real reason. Tisaw for the Devils plays it cross ice into the far corner. Matteau swoops in to intercept. Matteau behind the net. Swings it in front. He scores! Matteau! 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 Defend Matteau! And the Rangers have one more hill to climb, baby! But it's Mount Vancouver! The Rangers are headed to the studios of a crappy apartment somewhere in the metropolitan area sabo radio episode two it will be all about the new york knickerbockers who are about in two hours away from tipping off in memphis against the grizzlies uh marcus soul status actually i think it's still up in the air he may not play but um this topic is more about the overall season feel for the Knicks fan who I'd say 99% are on board that this season is done uh, at 19 and 24 now 20 and 24 after the Martin Luther King Day victory against the Nets it's the the ups and downs of the season have already taken form of the last two years last year uh, starting 14 and 11 with Jeff Hornacek, everything crumbled. Finished 31 and 51. The year before, Derek Fisher, they were actually 10 and 10 and 20 and 20. And from there, it fell apart. So after starting um, so hot this year, why would anyone think they're actually going to reverse this awful trend? Uh, 10 losses in our last 13 games and actually compete for the eighth seed. Tough. Tough to think that way. But when you look at it more carefully, there is one specific reason to actually believe the team can turn it around. The next seven games, they're all on the road. And as we as we all know, they've had their road woes this year. 
But forget the road woes. The injuries are the most important thing. This is not an ultra-talented team. They cannot overcome an injury um, of Tim Hardaway Jr. or an Enos Cantor. When Cantor got hurt early in the season, they lost those three games. He came back, they were okay. We, we still think he's playing hurt, by the way, Cantor, but at least he's in a lineup, at least he contributes. Hardaway, they went 8-12 and 12 without Timmy. They cannot sustain an injury to their top three, especially top two players. But when looking at the schedule, they beat Brooklyn. They play Memphis tonight, 13-28. and 28. They play Utah next, 17-25. Then the Lakers, 15-27. Then Golden State, which we'll pass that one up. Then Denver, who's 22-21. and 21. Then Phoenix, 16-28. and 28. All seven games on the road. All seven straight road games. That's not Murderer's Row. Uh, you know, I know it's on the road, but those teams are not the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Boston Celtics. I mean, then, after that, they return home against Brooklyn. So, the schedule is definitely lightened up. And after this stretch, by the way, they would have played two more road games than home games, balancing out the home road factor everyone's crazy about. So the schedule's okay, but the main reason why you should have some hope and optimism that they will go on a run here pretty soon is this. Their roster is not flawed anymore. They've actually... Past the, the midpoint of that arc, where instead of continuing to travel down with all the negative crap, they've passed that point, and they're on the uphill climb. With Mello, with Carmelo Anthony, they had a flawed roster. As good as Carmelo Anthony was scoring the basketball, one of the greatest, he represents one of the greatest one-on-one -on -one ISO scores in NBA history when he was with Denver. That's just, there's no doubt about it. One-on-one, -on -one, ISO, one of the greatest we've ever seen. One of the dangerous we've ever seen for a five to eight year stretch in this league. But with Melo on the team, it, flaw, it, it flaws the whole roster. Him and KP next to each other cannot work. Melo started at the three. KP at the four, that's a disaster defensively. Melo cannot keep up with the small, with the smaller, quicker three guards. And next to KP, who's, who's a solid team and weak side defender, especially swatting balls away, he's, he, KP's not a great one-on-one -on -one defender. Also, you know, with his big body at the four, tough to close out on, along the arc. And Knicks fans scream about that all the time. He'd be much better at the five defensively. Underneath might be a little rough, but you get the point. Derrick Rose last year, too. Derrick Rose, Mello, next to KP. Um, Kuzminskis, Hernan Gomez, who had a lot of minutes last year. Justin Holiday. These guys aren't defensive players. They had a flawed team that didn't fit. Didn't fit each other whatsoever. This year, pieces fit. Melo's gone. 
canter in. Cantor, who, who's not the greatest defensive player in the world, but is, I think, gets a bad rap. He's, he's good. He's a good team defender, and when healthy, his rebounding is off the charts. He fits nicely against. He fits nicely with KP in the front court. McDermott, the other half of that trade, fits beautifully on the second team. When KP's in and the starters are in. They're running a lot of Horns offense with the two high posts. They're running a lot that focuses towards KP. When McDermott's in and KP's off the floor and the second team's out there, they're running a lot of motion offense. A lot of old school Jeff Hornacek type stuff that he loves to run. McDermott off the ball is just, he's just a menace. So... Going forward, that's the thing to keep to keep an eye out on. How this team fits together. It's not flawed. No matter what happens, even if they do collapse, just know that they're on the right track. They have put the right pieces together. The other reason is, let's be honest, right now, their team is better than it's ever been. Forget the losing that's happened. Look at the roster right now. Porzingis, Hardaway, Cantor, Lee, Jack. Hardaway just came back. Second unit, Beasley, McDermott, Nilakina, O'Quinn, and then Lance Thomas. You also have Trey Burke, new addition. But think about towards the beginning of the season. Michael Beasley was not doing what he's doing now. He was not providing the scoring off the bench that he is now. There's no question about that. Him with a healthy Hardaway adds dimension that they haven't had all year. That's why I say this roster is better than it's been all season long. The same can be said for Ron Baker. Remember, Ron Baker, sent, he was sent down to the G League. He was injured. He didn't play at all that much the first 20, 25 games of the season. Only after he got back started getting mixed into the rotation, did he start becoming a real contributor? So top to bottom, this is the best roster they've seen. Now, I know the road record sucks. It's awful. And they're going to be on the road the next seven games. But that is not the most important issue. The most important issue is the were and is the injuries. And they finally overcome that with Hardaway coming back. And hopefully with Cantor feeling a little better than he's been. Because I suspect he's been playing hurt a lot. There is one more critical reason you should have optimism about the Knicks. And that is they seem to demonstrate a tough gene ability. They seem to bounce back and have this brotherhood of, of uh, togetherness and love for each other, and they bounce back whenever their backs are up against the wall. We saw it early on when they started 0-3. Beat Brooklyn. Beat LeBron in his house. Won the next three games. Went to 3-3. Three and three. We saw it again later in the season when they lost three straight 
They were 10 and 7, lost three straight, went to 10 and 10, went to Miami and crushed, I'm sorry, beat Miami at home and crushed Miami. And that was the same game they lost Tim Hardaway Jr. So every time they've they've been up against the wall, they they just seem to bounce back. And it's encouraging even to know this because they've had so many heartbreaking losses in overtime. I think the last five games, five or six games, they've been in four overtime losses. Uh, it's been incredible, actually. Yeah, four overtime losses and three overtime losses in the last six games. One of them double overtime against Chicago. Those pesky freaking Chicago Bulls who... Uh, destroyed my childhood two decades ago, are now terrible and can't let the Knicks win just one of the three matchups so far this year. So don't be surprised. Don't don't stay too down on the Knicks right now. Don't be surprised if they if they rattle off a nice win streak here on the road, simultaneously getting back to 500 and solving their road woes that they've had all season long. It could definitely happen. Everything, everything about this team feels a little different, feels a little right. The pieces fit, and something could happen. Don't be surprised to see it. Next on the agenda, Kemba Walker, the hometown kid. Rumors are buzzing that Charlotte, MJ, and his boys over there might be interested in trading Kemba. The 27-year-old point guard who hasn't busted out in terms of, uh, you know, top 10, top 15 talent like some folks may thought he would. Only one All-Star in seven seasons. Three with the Bobcats, the, the worst, one of the worst sports names of all time. And, of course, the last four years, same franchise, Hornets where everything feels right in the world. He just hasn't busted out. Averaging 21, almost 22 points a game this year. A little under six assists a game, which is really low for a point guard of his ilk. Shooting 425 from the floor, again, really low. His career field goal percentage is pretty damn bad at 413. That's awful, actually. That's just terrible. Rumors have it. Charlotte may trade him. Conflicting rumors have it. He's not going anywhere. But when Kemba goes on the market, the Knicks will always be involved with the rumor. One, because Kemba's hometown is the five boroughs. And two, the Knicks haven't had a point guard since... God, when... Derek Harper? Jeez. Um, Stefan Marbury, there's no way I'm counting him. Jeremy Lin for two weeks, no. Derek Harper pretty much has been their last point guard, and he was only he was gritty, defensive, tough-minded, half-court point guard who fit what the Knicks were and fit what the league was in the playoffs back then, the half-court, slow-paced, low-scoring contest. Would you trade Frank... And a first rounder for Kemba and a second rounder. 
maybe Frank and Lance Thompson. Frank something small and a first rounder for Kemba and a second rounder. That would be the ballpark, most likely. Would you do that? I don't know if I would. If I would, I wouldn't feel confident. Gun to my head, I would probably do it for two specific reasons. Frank is, you could already see, he's going to be a great defender. He already is. There's a cap on his offensive abilities. He's, he's a stiff offensive player. He doesn't move fluidly. You love the toughness gene he has, the mindset, the unflappable way he goes about things. And yeah, he's going to improve offensively, there's no doubt. But I do, I would much prefer the 27-year-old Kemba for two reasons. One is KP. KP needs that offensive point guard, that pick-and-roll guy he could grow with. He needs it. Frank will not be that guy. Frank is, speaking of Derek Harper, Frank comes along the mold of a Derek Harper. Defense, half court. Not really a transition guy, not really a point guard guy. He could shoot from beyond the arc. He's made some clutch threes. But he, he's so different from what we see today in terms of the high-flying, high-scoring point guard. The second reason is the way the league is run. We, we just went over it. The defensive gritty guy doesn't really flourish. You need that offensive point guard. And when it comes to choosing stars, I'm always defense first. It's why I'm not a Carmelo Anthony fan. It's why I think guys like James Harden are a little overrated. I'm a defensive guy first. and But I think the league has played its rules so far towards the perimeter guy who can't be touched, who can do whatever he wants on the perimeter, that you have to have a Kemba Walker type point guard sprinkled in there with your big big man superstar in KP down below. So I'd be has I doubt it happens, first of all. I doubt Kemba goes anywhere. The return would be interesting, though if there was some legitimate possibility of it happening. How do the Hornets view Frank? How, do league, how does the league view Frank? How much extra on top of Frank would it take to get it done? I mean, it's not like Kemba's Russell Westbrook here. He's, he's not John Wall here. He's a notch below, and sometimes his name overshadows his actual production and value. But KP stays in the back of your mind. And the way the league is run now just sticks to the back of your mind. And having Courtney Lee on the wing provides great defense and great balance to get away with an offensive point guard. Uh, having Cantor O'Quinn down at the five, again, nice balance with KP, the offensive guy. To me, it, I'm 50-50. I'm torn whether to, if presented with that deal, to actually pull the trigger. 
but it's something to keep an eye on moving forward. Kemba, the trade deadline, the Knicks going on a little run here to restore some faith and have Knicks fandom going bananas again. Don't be surprised to see it. And it starts in an hour and 15 minutes in Memphis. Actually, it started on Martin Luther King Day. It resumes tonight in an hour and 15 minutes. Till next time. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it, New York, New York, these vagabonds. Thanks for listening to Elite Sports Radio. Stay Right through the very heart of it, New York, New York, I city that doesn't sleep and find I'm king of the hill top of the heap these little town blues